0: Welcome back to The Jacob Wolf Show, getting started a little bit early today with the live stream because of some scheduling conflicts, but uh, we've got a lot to discuss on today's show. Uh, This is one of the busier news weekends that I've ever seen. Uh, Just a a bunch of stories breaking out over the weekend, particularly out of Ukraine, continuing into this morning, uh, this Columbus Day morning. Happy Columbus Day to everyone out there. So much to discuss. But I think, first of all, one of the first stories that kicked off the weekend for me was an update on the Nord Stream pipeline. So, if you recall, when this pipeline sabotage story first came out, there were a lot of people talking with a great deal of certainty about what was going on. You know, they were just sure that the US bombed this section of the pipeline on this state for this reason. And a lot of commentators were out there just just commenting on this with so much certainty. And there's no doubt that there were a great deal of circumstantial bits of evidence that pointed to U.S. involvement in the sabotage. There's no question about that. We see the lack of capability of the Ukrainian special operations forces when we look at the fact that they were not able to blow up a bridge properly. We're going to get into that story, the explosion, the attack on the bridge between Crimea and Russia, in just one moment. But we kind of ruled out them, and, and and people were talking about it with great certainty. But remember what I said is, just take a moment here and remember that we have very little data on this. In terms of raw data, in terms of what we can see with our own eyes, all we had were uh, basically, uh, we had a picture a single picture of the ocean with bubbles coming up. That's what we had. That was the extent to which we had direct data showing that pipelines were even attacked, at all. And so we talk about that and and what happened in these pipelines. And now we have a report out that suggests, well, actually, now the Russians say that uh, line B of the Nord Stream Two pipeline was not damaged at all by the blast. So there's several different lines. It's more complex than one simple pipeline, as you might imagine, in your head. And line B was not damaged at all. It can still deliver gas to Europe uh, from Russia. And so that's a development we have out now. So in all of this, we just have to ask ourselves once again, what do we really know? How sure are we that we know it? Because a lot of times these stories come out, claims are made. Multiple governments claim the same thing. Some governments claim other things. And then you look and you say, well, what do we really know? What we really know is we have a photograph of what looks like ocean somewhere with bubbles coming up. That was the only direct data that the public could see on any of this. So that was the first thing. But something like the pipeline explosion didn't happen in isolation. Of course, the trade war between the U.S. and China is back. China is restricting fertilizer output. I have, and this is uh, some data that I can bring you from uh, K Street right now, is that there is serious fertilizer shortages here in the U.S. now playing out. So there were sanctions against Russia, but more importantly than sanctions against Russia, because there were many exemptions on fertilizer and agricultural products, but more importantly um, is that there's a fear that While fertilizer may not be sanctioned today, somebody could put money in escrow, letters of credit could be issued, and then uh, midway through the deal, sanctions could come out and you could lose millions of dollars. And so fertilizer coming out of Russia to the US has basically been frozen. China uh, now has restricted output of fertilizer. I was, just in the last week, helping a client of our firms attempt to track down some urea fertilizer. It's all listed for sale. And you can buy it from China, you can place an order, but the issue is when you go to place an order for fertilizer from China, at least urea fertilizer, basically what the deal is is that the Chinese government delays the shipment of the order uh, by edict by something like 150 to 180 days. That's a six-month delay. Five to six-month delay if you want to buy urea fertilizer from China. And so that's playing through the economy. That trade war uh, between the U.S. and China is back. OPEC is publicly targeting the U.S. with higher oil prices. We know that Joe Biden has uh, been releasing oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve at a rate of 1 million barrels per day. Uh, He has been draining the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. It was basically filled up when oil prices went almost, uh, well, they were past zero. I mean, they were into negatives. The low in March of 2020 was negative $36 a barrel or negative $39 a barrel, depending on the time of day. You had to pay somebody to take the oil off your hands. That's when Trump was filling up the strategic reserve. Biden's been emptying it in a political ploy to get gas prices down. Uh, It has worked to a very minimal degree. But now uh, the Saudis and OPEC say that they're going to cut output. They're going to cut output by $2 million. Barrels per day. So that wipes out uh, by 100%, by a margin of 100%, any output that the U.S. is producing vis-a-vis the Strategic Petroleum Reserves. So that's happening. Of course, you have the highest mortgage rates uh, since 2002, with 30-year fixed rates tolling in at 7.5% on Friday. Uh, the U.S. gross national debt crossed $31 trillion, You have a worsening energy crisis with Russia. In France and in much of Europe, you have enormous lines to try to uh, purchase gasoline, huge lines, people lining up for miles to try to purchase gas, the French government panicking over all of that. I saw some useful commentary, I think, from David Sachs. He's one of the co-founders of PayPal. He told people to get their money out of PayPal amid their uh, fines. And we know PayPal just recently in the last... A couple of weeks banned me for, for no reason. I basically used the account to pay a couple of miscellaneous subscriptions and things. Uh, but, but he is a, a political commentator. He's on a podcast with a couple of liberals called the All In Podcast, fellow venture capitalists and the like. Uh, well, he had some useful commentary out. He tweeted, how to know if you're an easily propagandized chimp brain. You couldn't find Ukraine on a map last year. You've never set foot on its soil. You can't speak its language, but you're willing to engage in nuclear war to defend its ethnically disputed border regions. That's so true. You think about this, and it's like so many people that didn't care about viruses, that never cared about the cold, that were never germophobes, that never wore masks, all of a sudden became hugely afraid of COVID-19, stayed in the house, refused to fly, took experimental vaccines because the television set told them to. And I think what we have to basically acknowledge is that much of the public, not merely in one state, not merely in one political party or in the U.S. or, or in any continent, but around the world, much of the public is just barely sentient. They will follow the orders of the television set. If the television set ter- tells them to wear a masks, uh, they'll wear a mask. If the television set tells them to get a brand new experimental Vaccine, they will do that. If the television set uh, tells them to care about Ukraine and hate Russia, they will do that. Even though that very same media was voicing concerns about the Ukrainian regime just a short time ago. We look, for example, at these stories here uh, from before and after the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. A story from The Guardian here it says Welcome to Ukraine, the most corrupt nation in Europe. I can confirm that is very much true in my experiences being in Ukraine, actually being there, doing business there, doing due diligence in Ukraine. But now you look at that. That was from The Guardian. Very same uh, paper now says, the fight for Ukraine is a fight for liberal ideals. Really. We go to Reuters here. Uh, Reuters is before the invasion, said Ukraine's neo-Nazi problem. Now Reuters says, for Ukraine fighters, Ukraine offers... Or says, for foreign fighters, Ukraine offers purpose, camaraderie, and a cause. You go to Vox here before the invasion, Vox News, a left-wing news site. uh, A Ukrainian comedian turned president is embroiled in Trump's impeachment mess. Now uh, CNN says Ukrainians are giving two lessons in democracy that Americans have forgotten. Uh, You go to News Europe before the invasion. Ukrainian president's rule becomes increasingly corrupt and authoritarian. Uh, now the Washington Post, uh, says Zelensky, the TV president, turned war hero. So you see the way that the media just falls into line with the intelligence services, with the establishment, with the Department of Defense. I mean, the CIA calls up the media, they tell them to do something, and they do it. If they tell the media not to report something, they don't report it. That is, in fact, more uh, shocking and damning than what they do report. We're going to have a special report coming up about that. When the U.S. media is subject to non-publishing notices on stories, like we're going to talk about, probably in the next episode, certain Afghan drug lords that were arrested. There was one Afghan drug lord that had imported 120 uh, tons of heroin per year into the United States at least. He was on the DOD's kill list because much of the profits from selling the heroin into the U.S. were given to Al-Qaeda. And he was extracted uh, from Afghanistan so that he wouldn't be killed by the DOD. He was flown from Malaysia straight to New York's JFK airport. He was arrested on site. The case against him was a uh, multi-dozen-page indictment hundreds of counts of trafficking heroin into the United States and supporting terrorists, a man named Haji Juma Khan. And uh, his case was under seal in the District of Columbia, and in 2018, Haji Juma Khan was released. He was just released. That was when Donald Trump was in office. He never served a day in jail. Another one of these people, uh, one of these Afghan drug lords, was given only 10 years for doing hundreds and hundreds of tons of heroin into the United States per year. Oh, by the way, nobody reported on the indictment or the arrest, no no mainstream media, none. That's the whole point of this example. Another case was when you had uh, another one of these Afghan drug lords. He was allegedly sentenced to 10 years, but and, and to be released uh, in December of 2022, but I have recently looked on the Bureau of Prisons uh, database and he is not in Bureau of Prisons custody. He's not in federal custody, as of today another afghan drug lord who who pushed tons and tons of heroin into the united states tons and tons of heroin and other places around the world so if you have the right connections at the right three letter agencies apparently you can traffic hundreds of tons of heroin into the us and and again you know it's like we don't even have to go as far as conspiracy theories that the cia was selling crack in black neighborhoods to which i've seen no evidence by the way i mean no direct evidence We don't have to go that far. You can look at actual cases. You can look at the legal documents, even in the last decade of Afghan drug lords shipping billions of dollars of heroin to the U.S., using it to fund terrorism, and they get no consequences. And then the media doesn't report on it because the CIA tells them not to report on it. It's the damnedest thing I've ever seen. Of course, speaking of this Nazi problem in Ukraine, the other thing that we got over the weekend, a new data point, is that there was a uh, commander in Ukraine. In fact, he's not just any commander. He's the commander-in-chief of Ukraine's armed forces. Uh, in some other countries, the president is not necessarily the commander-in-chief. Uh, Ukraine is one of those countries. It's a separate role. The commander-in-chief, the head of the armed forces, Incumbent General Valery zeluzhny uh, tweeted out a photo of him kitted out uh, with a plate carrier uh, carrying an, an HK-416, uh, and the background was blurred, uh, supposedly for you know security reasons. But what wasn't blurred is a, a bracelet he was wearing. It was a, a, what looked like a diamond tennis bracelet. But these weren't just any diamonds. They were inscribed, uh, at least in one case you can see in the photo, with swastikas. Where does one even go to get a swastika diamond bracelet? I mean, where do you order a swastika diamond bracelet? Where do you even buy that? Uh, in today's world. I mean, it doesn't exactly match his uh, military kit, but again, he's probably or almost certainly in on the deal uh, in, a, in an instance where he is uh, taking in tens of billions of dollars of money being sent from the West. So there's that. And that is, uh, you know, an, an absolute abomination. And, and you know, when you see this guy wearing this swastika bracelet, it, it's just, it is so Beyond belief, it is, it's, it's so, um, I'm, I'm just trying to think of the, the term here. It is it's just, it's, it's, it's beyond Orwellian. I don't know what, what, I don't even think any fiction book covers it. But me, somebody who as a Republican has been smeared by the left as being a Nazi, being a member of the Ku Klux Klan, currently being sued in the Southern District of New York, under the Ku Klux Klan Act of 1873. Meanwhile, and I'm a Jew, okay, as a Jew, bear in mind. Meanwhile, these very same leftists are sending tens, and now it turns out hundreds of billions of dollars to Ukraine. And not just any hundreds of billions of dollars, hundreds of billions of dollars in cash, but also in military equipment, small arms, missile launchers, you name it, to actual Nazis. And they wave the Ukrainian flag in their yard like a bunch of boneheads. You know, it's like, I, I'm the one who's called the Nazi, me a Jew and a, and a member of the Ku Klux Klan, and then they are sending tens of billions of dollars to actual Nazis wearing swastika jewelry. It's just remarkable. But, of course, over the weekend, we had the, the bombing of this bridge between Ukraine, or rather between uh, Russia and the Russian territory of uh, Crimea. <clears throat> this is our newer bridge. And on Putin's birthday over the weekend, it was blown up. Uh, it looks like by a truck bomb. It was kind of amateur. Uh, clearly, there was uh, thermite involved based on the sparking. You don't need thermite to blow a bridge. And a truck bomb is not really a, the ideal way to blow a bridge. But apparently, they were not prepared to engage in the kind of amphibious operation that would have been needed in order to blow the bridge, probably sensors, detectors, and things like that that would have stopped that. Um, so instead, they blew up this truck bomb. They blew up part of the bridge. They killed at least three civilians in the process, the Ukrainians said They took credit for it publicly. Uh, it didn't really stop the bridge. Within mere hours, a uh, traffic service was restored across the bridge. It only took out kind of one lane of traffic. And the rail service was back up and running very quickly as well. So there's no real strategic impact, psychological impact, I guess. Again, killing three civilians. Uh, Russia responded very quickly uh, on this Monday, on this Columbus Day Monday uh, morning, I guess, uh, Eastern time, Monday, our time here on the East Coast of the U.S., uh, pounding Ukraine with airstrikes. Apparently something like 90 cruise missiles launched into Ukraine, uh, 40 or so of them shot down. I've seen one video at least of one being shot down with what looks like a Stinger missile. These are like uh, basically uh, jet-powered cruise missiles, okay? Um, So these aren't rockets. These are jets or ramjets in some cases, but mostly just jets. Uh, They fly at kind of low speed, very low altitude, hard to to shoot down, hard to detect. Uh, And they hit cities across Ukraine, including uh, Lviv, including the capital, Kiev. It seems that these Russian strikes, from what we can tell so far, were very much targeted at Ukraine's energy infrastructure. In fact, the... Ukrainian Energy Ministry came out very quickly and they said no more energy exports from Ukraine. Remember, Ukraine's got some natural gas of its own. It's got some pipelines of its own. It has some coal deposits of its own. And now Ukraine is saying we are not doing any more energy exports, at least for now, based around the strikes that Russia did this morning. These were precision strikes. There are videos of them. Uh, there are also fake videos. There are being there's, there's recycled videos of strikes from early in the war that are being recycled as to having taken place today. You can tell based on some of the weather and and just other things, and they're identical to weather, earlier videos. But certainly, there were some strikes today. The Russians uh, accounted for that. They took credit for it. The Ukrainian president uh, Zelensky said that the. Uh, rush hour attacks appeared to be deliberately timed to kill people as well as knock out electricity. Knock out electricity, it does appear. Yes, they were they were a time to do. I don't know about kill people. It doesn't seem that that is really the case. But they hit power substations, they hit power plants, and uh, it was really something to see. Uh, so everywhere from Turnipil to, uh, to Dnieper and in, in, in eastern Ukraine. Zaporozhye, uh, Kharkiv in the east. So these strikes were across the country all the way out west to uh, Lviv. Uh, by mid-morning, again, Ukraine's defense ministry said Russia had fired 81 cruise missiles, uh, and they claimed to, shot, to have shot down 43. Who knows about the reliability of those numbers? Uh, apparently, the German consulate in Kiev was hit with a Russian strike. That's according to German news media Bild, uh, B-I-L-D. Russia's Medvedev, a deputy chairman of the Russian Security Council, says Ukraine strikes only the first episode of their response. Now, following this attack on the bridge, which was very clearly civilian infrastructure, killed three Russian civilians, Russia now has the imperative to use these kind of strategic weapons, strategic uh, conventional weapons, that is, uh, because... Essentially, the Ukrainian regime has now openly engaged in terrorism. Under international law, they can really take to the offensive now and unleash uh, more cruise missiles like they did very early in the war. And I think, yes, you can expect that to continue, but we will see. Lately, the Russian military has been fairly docile. Uh, This this conflict into the summer had basically been petering down to what was becoming sort of a low-intensity conflict in the east. But now it's stepping back up because Zelensky wants to keep this gravy train going. So once again, I I would say the Zelensky regime now uh, can be removed by Putin legally just the same way that Saddam Hussein was removed by the U.S. And by the way, if you want to talk about how brutal Russia's airstrikes were, you go back and watch the shock and awe airstrikes of Baghdad that took place in 2003 at the hands of the United States. Nothing that Russia has done has been anything like what the United States did in the shock and awe strikes in Baghdad in 2003. Not even close. Not even close. Uh, But I want to talk about this story here. Uh, Biden pardoning thousands of pot offenders. Uh, This is uh, new. This is out. Uh, Basically, the Biden administration has pardoned thousands of people convicted of marijuana possession, orders of federal pot laws. Uh, This is the report from CNBC. But, you know, what was amazing about this, really, is that it revealed something about the claims of the pot advocates that I have said for a long time is totally false. It is totally false, and now we get to see that. And so uh, what we see is that they looked up basically all the people that had been uh, charged federally, not necessarily in prison, just charged uh, federally and convicted federally, of a federal simple possession of marijuana, okay? And it turned out there were only 6,500 people they could find, dead or alive or otherwise, that had ever been convicted of simple possession of marijuana in a federal court. Now, what we were told by the pot advocates for so long is that there are just so many tens of thousands of people that are rotting in prison for smoking a plant. That's what they told us. They said, oh, it's just there's these people, they, they did a little pot, it's just like booze and they're rotting in prison. Well, no, no. It turns out that in the total uh, history of pot being illegal, if you look at all the people that have been convicted of simple possession of marijuana on a federal level, that number was about 6,500. And by the way, almost all of them were uh, either charged in Washington, D.C. or charged in a national park or charged on military bases or other federal facilities like workplaces, federal workplaces, post offices. And so by virtue of the location, by technicality, it happens to be automatically federal jurisdiction. So, you know, D.C. doesn't have a district attorney. And so if you are charged with pop possession in D.C., it's the U.S. Attorney's Office that, that takes the case. It is, by definition, uh, a federal case. Uh, Same thing if you were to be busted in a national park and given a citation for pot, uh, for possession of pot in a national park. It would be, by definition, a federal case, military base, uh, assuming you're not, you know, uh, going to be tried in a military tribunal, same sort of thing. And so that is the truth of all this, is that there were never thousands of people rotting in prison for simple possession of marijuana. Never happened. uh, Didn't happen at all. And so that is, uh, once again, something that that we see be revealed. Now, um, I want to thank many of you from the last episode. Uh, MJ coming in again. Wow, big-time $100 donation. I thank you so much, MJ, uh, for keeping the show going. Uh, I noticed you had a comment in the chat about um, being muted on Telegram or something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look into that for you, figure that out. Uh, I'm not sure why, why that happened, uh, but we'll figure that out. also want to thank Jim and Carol, Steve, uh, Ken, Scott, and Marco for the uh, $30 to $50 donations. Of course, you can use Cash App at Real Jacob Wool. Cash App, Real Jacob Wohl. Uh, you can also go uh, to jacobwohl.org slash podcast. That is where you can do a recurring donation of some size. Uh, Gumroad is basically the back end for that. They've treated us so well with Predator DC. I figure that's a good place to do it. Unlike PayPal, that deleted us after one single $10 donation, uh, PayPal, of course, out of control. They had to reverse their move to say they're going to fine people $2,500 for misinformation. They reversed that quickly. But I think still get, the, get your money the hell out of PayPal because they can't be trusted. I know I wouldn't leave money in PayPal ever uh, myself. Uh, but we have the, the, the mayor of New York City out. He's getting migrants in. Uh, So-called asylum seekers, people saying they're claiming asylum. Mostly, they're just illegal aliens. Uh, They're they're falsely claiming asylum for the most part, and he is not happy about it. Now, these are not simply people that DeSantis is uh, sending up to New York City. Instead, there's something like 17,000 of these people that have shown up directly in New York City or shown up in New York City somehow or other, and he's not happy about it. Take a listen to this clip. This is New York Mayor Eric Adams uh, talking about the 17,000 asylum seekers uh, showing up in New York City, the richest nation uh, in the United States, or the, rather the richest city in the United States, and uh, really the, the richest city in the world uh, by most measures. Uh, here's New York City Mayor Eric Adams on asylum seekers. New Yorkers are angry. I am angry too. We have not asked for this. There was never any agreement to take on the job of supporting thousands of asylum seekers. This responsibility was simply handed to us without warning as buses began showing up. There's no playbook for this. No precedent. So Eric Adams is not happy. He says they're angry. New Yorkers are angry. But you talk about 17,000 asylum seekers showing up in New York City, richest city on earth. Uh, I mean, the the biggest city in terms of just global import in the U.S., certainly. And he's just so angry, so worked up about this. He says, we don't have the infrastructure for this. We don't have the staff for this. We don't have the money. But what about little towns on the border? What about little towns in Southern California, little towns in Arizona and Texas? and New Mexico, who have had to take on these people for so long, all over the southern, really the southwestern part of the United States, and beyond in some cases, what about them? You know, they, they have to take on these people, tens of thousands of them, millions of them per year, it adds up to be in total. They have to take on their kids, they have to educate them, they have to deal with them crowding into emergency rooms every time they have a cold, because they know they won't be turned away and they don't want to go to the doctor and have to pay money, so they'd show up at the emergency room. Anybody who's ever lived in the Southwest of this country and has had to go into an emergency room knows how that works. Your child breaks their arm as the bone's sticking out at soccer practice or something. You bring them into the ER, and they're going to be sitting there for two, three, four hours behind hordes, hordes of illegal aliens who are crowding into the ER with a cold. And so. This is what we've dealt with since Biden came in. I will say, and 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 those of you who were with the Censored.tv show, watched back then, early in uh, 2021, it did not look like this was going to be the situation. When, when Biden first came into office, it looked like he was going to be sensible when it came to the southern border. It looked like he was going to be sensible. Uh, he was deporting. Actually, more people at a faster pace in the first couple months of his administration than Trump ever managed to deport. Remember, Trump deported fewer than Obama, and and conservatives argue with me on this, and they say, no, it's just a different definition. They said the other, no, I mean, Obama deported hundreds of thousands of more than Trump. Okay, he did. All right, Trump was not very good at running the federal government in terms of the actual levers of power, the knobs, the buttons. He wasn't very good at that, and so. You talk about Biden first coming in. He looked like he was going to do well. He was taking plane loads and plane loads of Haitians back to Haiti. And then what happened was Kamala was handed the immigration duties. And what Kamala did is she basically put a lot of her people that she knew from California, really far left Bay Area folks, into uh, ICE, into DHS, into USCIS, etc., 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 CBP, as political appointees, Schedule C political appointees. So basically, you have something called the White House Personnel Office. The vice president has a certain number of appointees as well, but they sort of hijacked the White House Personnel Office, Kamala Harris did, or, or they call it the Presidential Personnel Office, PPO it's called. And uh, that is who controls political appointees into these agencies to make sure that the president's will gets exacted at the agencies. Okay. Well, what happened was Kamala basically took that all over within that part of government and within certain other parts of government as well. And she reversed that. And very quickly, it became open borders. Because what these people know is that Republicans may celebrate marginal gains among, you know, fourth generation Hispanics in the United States, in a little town here, a little town there. But Let's face it, Republicans still lost the Hispanic vote, even in Florida, where the Cubans vote, and they hate communism, allegedly. Republicans still lost it. If you, inc- if Republicans are, are dead set on celebrating that, they're in the process increasing turnout among Hispanic, just like all of the parading with Kim Kardashian and Kanye West, all that did was increase black turnout, a group that they lose by 91% to, say, 6% generally. You know, three go... Independent or what have you. And so, what they know though is that, yeah, you might win over these people after four generations and get four more points with them than you usually get, or something like that. But it it doesn't matter because they're going to import millions more people from Nicaragua, Honduras, southern Mexico, all over Central America. And people in some cases who don't even speak Spanish, much less English. They speak some tribal tongue. Uh, Most of them are illiterate in any language zero education, Uh, and and they're going to import millions of these people, and they're going to import millions of Indian-Americans who Republicans like because uh, the the Indian-Americans who do vote Republican also happen to donate a lot of money to Republicans. That's a key thing. But again, overwhelmingly, they vote for Democrats. And it's like no matter what you do politically, if you bring in so many millions more people who you know reliably vote Democrat, you can't win. The political game is up, kind of like Ann Coulter talks about in her book, Adios America, worth a read. uh, If you've never read Adios America, it is uh, something that you really ought to check out. But uh, beyond that issue, uh, we do have the uniform crime statistics out of the FBI. Now, this was record low participation this time around for whatever reason. uh, Police departments essentially have to turn in their data. Uh, to the FBI on arrests and things like this. And they they will massage their data. So they want to basically make the crime look lower if it's an election year, things like this. So it's not like this uh, uniform crime report is totally accurate, totally reliable. Uh, But I do want to uh, get into this here. And there's a video out of VDARE that explains some of these crime statistics. And they're just shocking. I mean, if you've never looked at the crime stats before... And this is your first look uh well get get ready buckle up
1: the 2021 uniform crime reporting statistics from the fbi have been released and the black percentage of known murder offenders surged from a record 56.5 percent in 2020 to an insane 60.4 percent in 2021
0: so that's up remember we aren't even just talking about really black offenders blacks are 13 percent of the country we're talking about mostly um Black men, that's about 7%. Young black men, it's about 6%. And you're talking about 60% of the uh, known murder offenders in 2021.
1: Steve Saylor writes on vdaire.com, For complicated bureaucratic methodological reasons, there was a huge decline in cooperation by local police departments from the mid-80 percent in 2020 to only 63 percent of U.S. law enforcement agencies in 2021. As CNN reports, this year shows the lowest level of participation the FBI has reported since at least 1979.
0: So they don't wanna turn in the data to the FBI for these crime statistics. The local departments just don't wanna do it. It's voluntary, they don't wanna do it.
1: With only 52% of agencies submitting complete data for 2021. So as Steve Saylor suggests, this change may be due to a selection effect or it could really be due to the racial reckoning that the establishment media declared after George Floyd's death. And do keep in mind, these numbers only include known homicide suspects. As an example, Chicago, Illinois, has a murder clearance rate of only about 50%. However, of those cases considered cleared, another 50% result in no charges for a variety of reasons, meaning only about 25% of Chicago homicides lead to a suspect being identified and charged.
0: That's remarkable, isn't it? Only 25% of Chicago homicides lead to a suspect being identified and charged. Man, like if you want to be a killer, if you want to be a murderer, um, I guess Chicago is the place to do it. I mean, that, those are remarkable odds.
1: To put it simply, snitches get stitches, so the total number of black suspects, although unknowable for sure, is likely higher than reported. Read more by Steve Saylor on vdare.com by clicking the link attached to this video.
0: So anyway, that was just a a remarkable report on uh, the continuing trend of just out of control black crime in the United States and I don't know what to say about it. It is it is something in which a high proportion of it is black-on-black black crime, but it's not exclusively black-on-black black crime. Of the crime that does go between races, uh, black-on-white, white-on-black, it's something like 10-to-1 black-on-white versus white-on-black. Uh, it is simply out of control. I mean, the the carjackings, the killings, the shootings, the murders, the rapes, the pillaging, the stealing, the mob violence—that is taking place across the U.S. in areas where it doesn't normally take place—is just very high. You are seeing uh, this crime that was normally isolated to the ghettos now creeping into the suburbs. I mean, if you think about it from from the standpoint of the criminals, it makes sense. If you're going to go out and rob. I mean, you may as well go rob where people actually have something to steal uh, as opposed to a place where uh, they don't. And, And you see it. You see the carjackings in the nice neighborhoods. You see the shootings, the killings, the home invasions, the robberies. And it is something in which all the political policy is moving in the exact wrong direction on this. Police are being defunded, but more than defunded more importantly than defunding i mean the police budgets are just so freaking high right now all across the country i mean fairfax county virginia uh, their budgets like 400 million dollars for the police police departments all over the country have budgets of 400 million dollars in relatively safe areas that are non you know super urbanized it's unbelievable you know you're talking about half a billion dollars in some places. So the police have plenty of money, but more importantly than that, they are, they are neutered. They are defrocked. They're defanged. That's the bigger issue. It's a, it's a thread we've been following on the show for a while. Guys, thanks for watching. We did a little bit of an earlier show today because of some scheduling issues. I really appreciate you all joining me today and, and joining me every Monday and Thursday for the show. We'll be back Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, this will be up uh, on podcast apps everywhere. I appreciate the reviews on the podcast apps, uh, the sharing of the links. We have to grow the show. Of course, I appreciate the donations on Cash App at Real Jacob Wohl and on uh, jacobwohl.org slash podcast. Everyone, thanks so much for joining me. I hope I could bring you some clarifying news today. Uh, don't spend the rest of your Columbus Day worrying about nuclear war. Have a good day, and I'll see you on Thursday on The Jacob Bull Show.